Aaron Hartman. <laughs> What's going on, Rosie? How we doing? How we doing? We are doing good. Sound right. like Oprah over there. Yeah, no, it was. It was, uh, I, it was a little Oprah Well, you know, it's been a while. So much has happened, um, and it's funny. I, I did like a ton of pause when there was like nothing going on and then there was a pause and then like all the shit goes down yeah, all right so we need to get back at, at it at least expected too like who makes blockbuster deals in the middle of uh you know i guess june would be now the time to do it in a normal year but like especially before the draft lottery comes around and there's no head coach yet for the celtics you know it's really conventional to make these kind of deals at this stage and in, in the season yeah really weird it is really weird i haven't i don't remember I'm trying to remember when the Celtics did the Tatum Fultz deal. If that also that if that happened, well, that was before draft night. That was like a week before, so that was after. That was, but that's like that makes more sense because you weren't like there's no like, you know, centerpieces around. That was just like swapping picks and like obviously some other picks came around and, you know, the kind of the ball on Ainge to do that kind of that then do that kind of swap at the time was unheard of. Right. Um, given the amount of buzz around Fultz going into the draft, but I can't remember a time where, like, you know, legitimately the superstar, Kevin Walker, you know, from a talent perspective, is obviously not like top talent, but like from a contract perspective, and like, you know, the when he first signed the deal was definitely a, you know, a huge superstar and coming in to Boston had obviously expectations. Um, this is definitely, I can't think off the top of my head of anything that kind of comes close to that. Yeah. So let's we'll, we'll start with that. Let's start with the Celtics trade and, and the timing being weird. So, the one thing, so you're right. So first of all, like the lottery didn't even happen. So like, if you're OKC, forget Boston for a second. If you're OKC, wouldn't you kind of want to know, like, oh, I have a chance at Cade Cunningham or uh, you know Suggs or whatever, like kind of where my pick is at before I do anything? Like yeah. that's the suspicious part. The Celtics have no qualms about that because their pick is there is gonna is solidified. Um, what I heard through the grapevine was it was more about OKC was trying to stronghold Stevens because he was nervous about the Clippers, right? So meaning if he, did, he wanted them to do a deal before the Clippers series was um, settled because if the Clippers had lost, they would have had incentive to potentially go after Kemba. He was scared about this, so Presti basically – Call Stevens and is like you got to do this deal in the next seventy two whatever before the game, or it's off the table. Right, I mean it makes sense. I mean Presty definitely, you know, the amount of picks this guy has in his stockpile for the next like six years is, I mean it's it's they I don't know what they plan on doing with all of it obviously because they got to have a ton of moves. I don't know what they plan on doing with Kemba. Like it's not like he's a guy that you can like flip like Simmer or like. I don't know, maybe they try to have some sort of rejuvenation like what Chris Paul went through with Oklahoma City and all of a sudden Chris Paul's a whole new player with with Phoenix. But right. uh, it's definitely interesting from an Oklahoma City standpoint. Um, obviously, financially, you know, everyone understands the main reason why this was done. I mean, Stevens came out and literally said, like, we're doing this to have money to build around Tatum and Brown. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely – it is curious. It's interesting to see how the Clippers come in, because obviously that was a big destination, and especially if the Clippers ends up losing to either Dallas or, you know, Utah. I mean, now they look like a whole new team, even without Kawhi. Right. Um, you know, that's like a whole thing. It's like they're like one quarter away from, you know, Bomber, like blowing up 
trading Paul George, Kawhi could opt out at the end of this season and like right. they're back to square zero. And like, you're obviously not going to build around Kemba, but like maybe that's a piece you can throw into the mix and, and try to get some talent. But, um, you know, I think, a- or sorry, Stevens being brand new is obviously a month into a job and he already makes this huge deal. Uh, not even a month. Um, and, you know, I think he's trying to get his hit the ground running literally with, you know, go right into rebuild in terms of getting money, getting cap and getting assets. And I think Horford and Brown are solid pieces. It definitely leaves things open for what's, you know, what's next, what they plan on doing, but you know, that'll be a, that'll be determined. I assume in the coming months. Well, let's start there. So let's start there. Do you think, the Celtics did well in this trade. I think it was a good deal for the Celtics. I think I'm going to say yes, only because Kemba's contract was one of the toughest to deal trade, just straight, you know, years in value in the NBA, given his injury history and the fact that he doesn't really look all that great. And obviously he's a liability on defense. His size is a liability when it comes playoff and, and all that good stuff. So like, I do think it's a win. I think Horford is not like dead weight anymore. Like, you know, they shut him. Oklahoma City shut him down because they wanted to tank. It's not like he didn't necessarily have talent or still can't play at a competitive level. Now, he's not necessarily playing 30, 35 minutes, but he can definitely give you 20, 25 minutes a game and be productive. And he's got a high basketball IQ and he's already played within the system. He knows Tatum and Brown well. Um, so I don't think that's an issue with him like fitting or refitting back in. Um, and you know, I really like this, you know, again, Moses Brown had flashes of, of great things. Now, granted it was in, you know, non-important minutes during games. So take it with a grain of salt. He's got talent. I'm surprised Oklahoma city let him go this early. Like, I don't know why they, I feel like they could have done the deal without him in it. I feel like the Celtics would still probably have done it or somebody else maybe throw in there, but not necessarily him. Um, that was an interesting piece from Oklahoma City. So I think it's a win for the Celtics just in terms of the cap that they're saving. And they're not necessarily getting like duds on the back end. There is like potential, an immediate player and a potential growth opportunity with Brown. Yeah. So I think the Celtics is better post the deal than pre the deal. So they, they came out ahead, right? Could they have gotten more or better? Maybe if they had waited, but like it's a risk, right? And do you really want to be the bag? You want to hold on to that Kemba salary bag and wait and let's say the Clippers aren't interested, right? And then your chances of dealing him completely diminish. So I'm happy, like, if you told yeah. me, like, oh, we could have done 10% better, but it's a, but maybe but there's a 50% chance we keep him in that role, I'm, I'm fine moving him um, in the deal. To hit on Moses Brown, like, like, I think Stevens was probably trying to get some kind of asset. So that's worth a, a late first round or whatever. Moses Brown, I think with like, here's the pro and con in my mind. I'll go, the con is like, I don't know. Sometimes these centers are just a dime a dozen. There's all mm-hmm. these bigs that like play a lot of these, you know, empty minutes, let's say. And they put up like 10, 15 rebounds or whatever on a losing team. Gorgie Dang has been doing it, um, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, you, I just feel like you always see these like stat lines all these random bigs now gobbling like 10 to 15. Now, look, he's young. Could right. he grow into a solid backup center? Sure. Right. I think it's fine. Um, did we need something like that? No, not really. We have, we have Robert Williams and stuff. So uh, there's not a huge necessity, but it's, it's a nice to have. It's not a need to have. I'm fine with it. And look, at the end of the day, the deal was more about obviously retaining Fournier, 
or at least trying to, and or if they can't retain Fournier, I can see them, to your point, going after other free agents. So I, I think they went ahead uh, in the deal. Uh, OKC, I think you're right. I think their OKC is going to try to showcase and then and then move him. I, I don't. He might not even play in, in OKC. Quite honestly, if if the Thunder find a quick taker, um, they'll they'll scope around. Uh, they don't have to move any assets to unload him. They'll they'll do that and just and just do a, a cap for cap deal um, to get rid of him. In my opinion, for a team if, if a team really wants a point guard like any of the LA teams. Yeah, I mean, I think LA makes the most sense. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think kind of going back to the earlier point around like the value, like Kemba's value, I don't see how his trade value was going up at any yeah. prior to the season starting. So to your point, like, yeah, could they maybe have done something? And like, you would tell me that in two years after signing him, you're trading for, you know, essentially uh expiring contract and a health Horford and a, very rough around the edge of project and a, you know, an athletic, you know, seven footer for a Kemba Walker who was coming off of like all-star all NBA potential. Um, you know, I would be like, you're crazy. Um, you know, it makes Charlotte look really smart and not re-signing him. Cause I think they yeah. need stuff. I think the Celtics, I would have assumed they, they knew about it anyway, but they were just reeling so much with losing Horford and Irving. And they're like, we need to do something because like, we can't like, waste this momentum and you know walker definitely fills that that void to a certain degree um but then i heard like you know this all started with walker and and steven's not having such a great relationship from a coach and player mentality and then you know i was listening to some already some articles or listening to some some podcasts around just kembo in general i think going into the bubble you know everything gets shut down obviously like not having the training staff you know, hands-on, not physically being in any sort of building or any sort of environment where you can train and work and get checked. Like the training staff was like, hey, like do all these exercises and kind of work on uh, these moves to help improve that knee. And apparently like he just didn't do any of it. And his knee had improvement going into the bubble last year. And they're like, what the heck, man? Like you didn't do anything and there's no uh, improvement and there's no like more mobility and they're like is either like you didn't do anything or the knee is like really really bad that if you did all those exercises and it's still in this terrible shape like that's a so either way it's a red flag and i think the celtics were like this is not kind of a guy which i find kind of surprising it doesn't come off as being that kind of mentality of like i'm not going to take care of my body or do what i think is necessary to compete at a high level but right Either way, um, you know, he wasn't going to get any, I don't think he was, we were going to be able to do anything better. And this way I think it gives us, you know, draft is not necessarily as big of a focal point right now because we obviously don't, we don't have a first round pick or at least our main first round pick. Um, And that way it gives Steven some opportunity to kind of like think through like how this plays out. Do we sign for any, what do we use our trade exception on? Um, Are there other moves at play that we can, you know, package a smart Thompson deal somewhere that we can get some, some meaningful assets back as well. So I'm excited to kind of see what else is going on. And I feel like Steven's being like, I think this is obviously high risk and and high reward at the same time, like being this new person, like trying to make his name on it and kind of living into the Danny Ainge legacy of like, go big or go home. And like, maybe he'll make some crazy deal that like nobody sees coming and like, could pay off tremendously or it can bomb tremendously, but you might take that chance just because um, I feel like he has that comfort level with the organization to do that kind of move. Yeah. I like, I mean, look, I think that's a, that's a fair point. He, he could fail a little bit and he's got some years. You would think using your first year as a GM and stuff like that, like 
either you do this drastic thing, you, you put your hammer in and then you buy yourself five years, right? You're like, I have a yeah. five-year plan, actually. Or you do the, like, you usually don't tinker. So he, he's got a hammer. Um, and you're right. I, I think uh, this, the, the roster isn't done because they don't have a point guard. I'm sorry. Marcus Smart, to me, is is, <laughs> is not a point guard. No. He's just not. Um, he's a small – I don't even know what he is, honestly. I'm, I'm not he's – a, he's, a, he's a pudgy little combo guard. It's just – it's not necessary. Um, so, yeah. So I'm, I'm completely with you. Um, I think Smart Thompson are going to get moved. They're going to try to get a point guard somehow. Um, I've already heard rumblings of where they're linked to. They're looking at like Malcolm Brogdon. That would be a home run. Um, obviously require a couple of pieces. And with that smart Thompson, probably at least one of Nate Smith and Lankford, maybe a future pick, that kind of thing. Uh, but he's looking to get that type of point guard, a two-way point guard. Um, and then that can play off of Tatum and Brown, allow, allow them to do the thing. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought oh, look, OKC. I don't know what the hell they're going to be doing. I heard OKC is getting these first because there's a couple of teams that have already talked to them about moving down in the draft from number one. As crazy as that sounds, right? So they have what four, five, and sixteen. Yeah, they potentially could have like three picks in the top, like eight or something. If like the if the you know the balls fall the right way for them this draft, which is just insane. Like, uh, they have so much draft capital, like, it's unheard of. Obviously, they need to make some moves and, and you know, shift some things around. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like also, like, when's the last team that's, like, especially in the way the NBA is going, is, like, you don't really build in the draft. It's all about, like, getting two guys, maybe yeah. one person in the draft, and trying to attract two big free agents and, like, doing a super team mentality. I mean, like what team that's like, I mean, the teams that are in the final four right now, I mean, um, you know, it's tough to have like these like homegrown players um, last into a, you know, into their like next, you know, next contract outside of the rookie deal to stay with team. Like, I feel like that, you know, Giannis was the first person that like, um, you know, signed his extension after ending his rookie deal extension. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's going to be a trend. I feel like that's going to be the, uh, that's gonna be not the norm with that. And I feel like um, you know, even now with Luca, there's problems of like, well, he's would he sign his rookie extension? Yeah, it's not a home run. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I think so. Yeah, and and I think um, my sources say so. OKC because he went to Oklahoma State. That's why they really want Cunningham so badly, and they're hoping. First of all, they can get four and five. They might be able to do four, five, and sixteen to move up to one. Depending on who's at one, I heard Detroit is interested, um, and they really want Cunningham. But if they have to move a future pick, it can end up hurting them. Regardless, OKC crazy that they're able to uh, get a freaking other first here by yeah. moving Horford. Just it's, it's, <laughs> so like, the same hinky experiment is still going on in the NBA. People just don't talk about it. You know, people talk about the process. Oh, the process is dead. It's still happening in Oklahoma City. It's the freaking process. All right, he he keeps. Mm-hmm. Doing deals to get first rounders, and that's what they look at it. Um, let's talk about about Simmons and everything in, in Philly for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I think that spin move and 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 uh, opting not to dunk and pass is going to be the new NBA logo. Or, right. Or, or that's like that's like the infamous. That's going to be that, like memes and flying around the internet, and it will be like that's the biggest like the biggest not shot <laughs> you've never you ha- you haven't seen. 
Yeah, that's the craziest thing. It's wild. <laughs> um, yeah, like, that's a huge game changer. It's just the mentality of like how he was just like so reluctant to shoot. Like whether he hits that dunk or hits that shot, like I still think Philly loses. But like right. the fact that he like literally gave up two points, then that I think the guy Fiebel just hit one out of two of the free throws, so essentially traded two for one. Um, yeah that mentality is just not, not a good sign. And clearly nobody's, um, you know, nobody seemed to have his back in the last, you know, 18, 24 hours. Oh my God. So who's, so let's, let's, let's unpack it. Who's to blame for the Philly, Philly collapse. I mean, everyone says that, you know, players play the game. They have to show up, you know, was it all on Simmons? No. I mean, I think Danny green being injured was definitely Mm -hmm. a huge loss, not just from like, championship mentality the guy's been on a few championship teams um but his just ability to like defensively hit an open shot i mean curry played lights out but he's not uh you know defensively he's not fantastic and he you know hurt or took advantage of him just from sheer size and from size right. i honestly think like doc rivers has to take some of this blame like i don't know how well they adjusted it didn't seem like they did much change i mean I think he was scared to take Simmons out. I think, you know, eventually did in, in last night's game with like maybe four minutes to go, but I don't think Simmons should have been playing like 30 plus minutes a game in this series. Um, and I feel, I feel like he was just like either hesitant or didn't want to. Um, I mean, Doc's record now outside of winning the championship with the Celtics, like he's not really like all that fantastic of a coach. If you start looking through his numbers, especially in the playoffs, like, uh, it's definitely going downward for him. So I think he definitely got to take some of this blame. And I don't know if he's the coach that kind of writes the ship with whatever the team looks like next year. I, um, there's the things I go back and forth on it, right? Because like you keep playing in the coaching car and Brett Brown wasn't good. And now doc's not good. You know, um, you could talk about roster construction. You know, you can't really play Simmons and Embiid together, which is fair. Uh, you, you're to your point. It, it's a pretty thin, um, you know, fourth fourth uh, rotation talents four through nine are pretty weak, right? So after their big yeah. three, Danny Green being your fourth best player is a great. He's out. Then Seth Curry's got to step up. And then Furkan Korkmaz is getting playoff <laughs> minutes. Tyrese Maxey's a major yeah. guy in the rotation. I mean, those guys shouldn't really be playing a ton of minutes for you in the playoffs. Um, it, it's tough to go full blame. I am quite shocked at the internal reaction to Simmons. I mean, that guy's got tire marks all over his face the amount of times he's been thrown under the bus. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, Embiid <laughs> blaming him. Doc Rivers, they asked him, is he a point guard? Yeah. I mean, these are layoff questions. But absolutely, he's got to work on a few things, just like a lot of players. There's so many ways to BS that answer. He was right. like, I don't know. Are you kidding me? That's like telling someone, hey, did you have a good time last night? And he just says, no comment. Right. Right? I mean, like... It's, the most it's like when your when your four year old comes up with his like you know macaroni yard like hey is this the this is the greatest picture I've ever seen like right like, yeah no you kind of have to like you know BS a little bit uh, I was I mean I, was, I remember like I was, I was I was watching the interview I'm like there's no way like did he just say that like you typically don't get that kind of like blunt of an answer right um, you know again your point it's just like yeah you got to work on some things nobody's perfect there's a team loss you know I need to work on doing things as a coach you know talking from a Doc Rivers perspective. Um, yeah, he was like everybody, you know, throwing him under the bus, media, 
analysts, teammates, uh, coaching staff. Like, there's no way he can be a Philadelphia 76 next year after no. what happened. Like, it, I, there's no way. Why would he even want to be there? I have sympathy for him. I, yeah. I feel bad. I generally feel bad. And then, and then, and then they interviewed him, and, and he took, you know, he took the blame. He was like, yeah, I, I got to be better, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he owned it. You yeah. Know? He's 24. I don't know. I, I go both ways on this, right? Because part of me feels the Sixers are in a tough spot, first of all, because their best asset now, they just they just cut his value in half. Okay. Right. By just shitting on him. Like so, three months ago, he was a centerpiece for a Harden deal. Correct. <laughs> like, you're lucky to get who knows what you can get for this kid. Yeah, I don't even know what you can get now. <laughs> and and any trade you're going to do, I mean, there's going to be massive risk involved. And are you really that good? So the, the East, there's a thin line in the East, in my opinion. It, it's not airtight of the top four, right? Because this was right. kind of a fluky year. So, I mean, look, obviously next year you're going to have Brooklyn in its own tier, in my opinion, if they're healthy. He was ridiculous talent-wise. But yeah. after them, I think there's actually a two through six, okay? So, I, I, and I think, in, and I obviously maybe I'm a homer in saying this, I do believe Indiana and Boston are in that mix. If they're healthy, if they get the right pieces, they play it out, they're, they're, they're in the mix. That doesn't mean that they're great. I think the Knicks fall down. They had a fluky good year because they didn't get impacted by COVID as much. Right. And then there's probably going to be a random team we don't even think of that jumps up. Who knows? Maybe because of the draft or, or, or what have you. Like in Chicago, I could see um, with a big range, right? Because they, they got Vucevic now and, and they need an offseason or whatever if they do all in the draft. Right. Yeah. And you're out of pieces. So Philly shouldn't feel that solidified, is my, is my point. They shouldn't feel so comfortable that, like, Oh, if we move a big piece and swap like Simmons for like CJ McCollum, if they do a deal like that, in my opinion, they will be a perennial first round team, right? Any other deal they do, Agreed. they will. So like I, it, but but you, you flip it around, they they stuck themselves. You can't. I mean, Embiid Embiid is obviously your MVP guy, so you have to build around him. I, I and they're not even going to get like a good piece. To your point, like two years ago, I think it was there was a rumor. Of them sniffing around Simmons for like Laurie Markinen, Levine, and a pick. That's how good Simmons' value was like two years ago. Now you're probably not getting Zach Levine for Simmons no. in a straight up, right? Unless you're. I don't think I don't stuff. see I don't see how Chicago would do that deal. Right. So like the best you're gonna get is Suchi McCollum. The best, and that's not a slam dunk, right? Right, and CJ McCall. I mean, like, yeah, CJ McCollum does not make them like all of a sudden like an Eastern Conference final contender or even no. an NBA Finals contender. Uh, yeah, you get some additional shooting, but you lose the defense, and also like, I mean, just to kind of backtrack really quick on obviously Embiid is the star player. That's the guy you keep out of the two, but like sure. Embiid, and this is you know nothing new here, but like, he's been knocked for his like conditioning. Like he was gasping at games, like. I'm not saying he wasn't working hard or necessarily like obviously like he's playing a lot of minutes and you know it felt like maybe he had to do more, but like he's also like taking like 30 footers. He's you know gasping at the end of the games. Like I think he missed two big free throws. I think it was in game might have been game five, I think. Um at the end of the game, he was just because he was just so tired. Um, like that's another thing that like kind of got swept under the rug a little bit of like around his conditioning. It was a big yeah. year or so ago, but it hasn't really been talked about this year. Um, and that came to bite them a little bit too. It wasn't just like, again, kind of, you run like not to, you know, I don't necessarily feel bad for Simmons. The guy's 23 years old and has $150 million on the bank. <laughs> from a basketball perspective, like it's not just him that it was definitely a team structure and a team 
approach to how they kind of play the games and, and kind of how they're, you know, running their alignments and, and rotation. Um, and Embiid's got to kind of take some of that blame as well, in my opinion. Yeah, look, if I were – I the thing is, when you do a trade like that, you got to change the dynamic of your team, right? right? When you have to do a drastic move. So for Portland, it's a slam dunk if they did a McCullough, if they got pieces back. Those Simmons, Maxine, a pick, which is insane that they could get that back, but they could get that back, right. which would be a good move for Portland. He actually fits, in my opinion, um, in Portland because now Lillard can play a little off the ball. You got a defensive guy in there, fine. But in, in Philly, like I personally, this would never happen. But like the move that I would actually consider is probably Embiid for Carl Anthony Towns and some pieces from Minnesota because I see Towns and Simmons to me makes more sense, and at least you're doing something different. Um, but, you're, but with Embiid, you, it's so hard to build around a guy who you can't rely on. He's just – if you told me someone got injured and the reason, and that's why they didn't make the conference finals, I mean, all my money would be on Embiid. Right. right? Well, um, that's the, yeah, exactly. Like, he's not – he's so injury-prone. Like, again, like, Philly is, like, you know, is in a really tough spot because their two superstars have such, like, massive – kind of red flags around them you know Simmons from like an offensive perspective and just like a lack of production and now maybe seems to be more of like getting the yips or something yeah and Embiid is just from like a health and like conditioning standpoint and like it's so hard to rely on that you know even next year like I don't know when the season's going to start but it's going to still going to be like you're still going to have like COVID impacts for next season as well because how late the season's going this year um it's uh, yeah it's it's a long road ahead of them and to your point the east is only kind of getting better outside of like obviously like brooklyn being top but uh there's a lot of teams that are itching i mean the rise of atlanta now all of a sudden is a, is a contender like yeah oh that's it's definitely the dynamic is shifting a bit and philly is that door is closing very quickly for them i um at the end of the day they're, they're, i mean like everyone every, everyone all these jobs just want to save face so they just add another year until they get fired, right? Um, I mean, there's a chance more could get fired next year, quite frankly. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> but, like, if they do a bad Simmons deal, um, and now he's going to stake his reputation on this, they're not going to – I mean, ah. Well, you're going to get, like, two guys that are, like, Colin Sexton-level talent? Like, I just – I don't see yeah. – I mean, Sexton and, like, Kevin Love, it's horrible. You know? And I love Kevin Love, but come on. I'm no, not stupid. It's um, like a complete 180 for what? And again, they're not doing themselves any favors by just bad mouth being the guy also. Like, right. or at least, like, make some face with, like, yeah, you know, he was in a tough spot, blah, blah, blah. But at least, like, don't just, like, immediately trash him as, like, yeah, I don't see this guy being a leader on any sort of championship contending team. Like, great, every other team that's going to go after you is going to lowball the hell out of you with offers, and you're going to be stuck because we all know you don't believe in his talents. The only move to me that makes sense is if they sell themselves of someone on draft night. I don't see any other option. I'm not saying – I'm not like, – because think about it, right? Like, you can't – if you're going to deal for McCollum, it makes no sense. What they need to do is probably deal with for a guy who's a sure thing and uh, a guy in the top eight and hope they hit. And, it's, yeah. and for me, it's a shooter. And, and for me, the shooters in the draft are like uh, the kid out of Gonzaga, Kispert, uh, Kispert, right? Yeah. And who, Moses Moody? Right, so uh, I'm gonna predict this right now. This is my prediction. I, I that's what I think happens. I think like a team like uh, Cleveland comes out of nowhere. They fall in the draft. They don't get a top five. They fall to like six, seven, or eight. 
okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do, like, Sexton, their pick, and, like, Larry Nance Jr. for Simmons. And that's the deal. Ouch. And, and then it's terrible. And then the Sixers are like, we got Moody. He's this young shooter. It buys him a couple of years because they could also say, like, Sexton's kind of young. Yeah. Right? Not becoming a shooter. Sexton could shoot, but it'll be horrible. It'll be, it'll be a, a train wreck. Uh, and then and then Hickey will have to come in and clean up the mess in, in two years. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely going to be something like that. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't you know how it all plays out, but um, it's it's not going to be like a marquee person. It's going to be like a bunch of mini pieces that hopefully can connect some of these dots for for Philly. Yeah, I mean, their only chance is really is really taking that shot. The I can see it's going to be a random team. I'm calling it now, like yeah. Indiana. San Antonio has been linked, and they're going to try to like get uh, a, a pick in the in the lottery. I think for them, that's my call. I think it's either Cleveland, San Antonio, or Indiana jumping in. Yeah, no, I mean I wouldn't be surprised. I think they, that makes sense. That's kind of the route they have to go because um, you know they got they put themselves in this position where they have to start thinking draft and what they can take advantage of. Real quick, uh, a, a few minutes. So, so conference finals predictions. Um, <laughs> I was about to ask, what are the odds on Atlanta winning the title right now? I, I, yeah, I was actually, actually I'm going to look it up. Um, <laughs> it's not a bad call. It's not, a, I mean, it's so, it could, it's a crapshoot, right? I mean, really? I, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows what's going on with Kawhi? He's out again for game two. Paul is still in health and safety protocols. I mean, Booker is was lights out, but he needed to be lights out, and they barely won. I mean, clip, the Clippers are hanging tough, um, and they definitely could have won. The could have won yesterday, um, and Milwaukee had no business beating the Nets. <laughs> no business. Uh, you know, if the rent was a half a centimeter further back, the series is over, and the Hawks in the in Milwaukee's home. Right. Um, so I, I mean, Atlanta is like firing on all cylinders. Um, Milwaukee is surprisingly is like the only healthy team, but they actually look like the worst. <laughs> so this is what this like here's what's, So this is crazy right now. Of the four teams, Milwaukee has, according to the sports books, um, they're the favorites. They're plus one hundred five. Interesting. Phoenix plus one fifty. Okay. So a Bucks Suns finals is the most realistic. Right. By the way, and then. The Clippers plus eight hundred. Hmm. That's not bad to win the title. I don't know. I like this one though. To your point, Atlanta plus eleven hundred. I might, I, I might dabble with that. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not, that's, that's not, not bad. so bad, and it's and not if, so crazy. No, and look at the finals exact results. So let's see, if you're going to take Atlanta to win, you might as well take them. Like, who are they going to beat? Right. Right. So the craziest one, the one that's fifty to one. So Atlanta beating the Clippers is fifty to one. Yeah. Plus five thousand. Clippers to beat the Hawks is plus 3,700, right? But if you, I don't know, Hawks to beat the Clippers plus five. If I want to take them, go 50 to one shot, you know? Yeah, you might as well, you might as well go all in with them. Yeah, I kind of like uh, them. And they, they already have, by the way, the NBA Finals MVP odds. <laughs> and and uh, Rajon Rondo to win Finals MVP <laughs> Is plus twenty five thousand dollars plus twenty five thousand. That is insane. Ten bucks on that. <laughs> yeah, ten bucks was twenty five hundred. Uh, that's uh, can't believe it's even up there. That's ridiculous. But yeah, you, that's you crazy like that he's on the list. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I think if you analyze it for a second, I, I do agree with that. Like, I think Milwaukee should be decent favorites against Atlanta. 
they're better, but we don't know this Atlanta team. They're an unknown as yeah. well. They keep getting better. Um, but the Suns, if they won without Chris Paul and Kawhi's out, and Chris, Chris Paul's not playing the next game, they should, you would think. Um, the Suns should take care of business, yeah. I kind of like Atlanta over Phoenix. <laughs> I'm, I might do this. I, I gotta go. I go, I'm gonna go check after this because I'm. I mean, I've watched Atlanta. Like they have, the, like they're also like not afraid on the road either. Like winning Game Seven in Philly on the road is not easy to do. Winning Game Seven in general on the road is not easy to do. Um, and they have a pretty solid road record so far in the playoffs. And um, and again, like Milwaukee has not looked all that great um, in the first two rounds. So I, you know, Atlanta's riding high right now. They're definitely, I think, a a lot of money is going to go on Atlanta over the next couple of days. Yeah, but if Atlanta won the title, I mean, just that's the most random oh, of course. NBA championship. I mean, I understand Detroit in 04, the weird Miami Dallas year, like in 06, and then 2011 again, Miami Dallas. Those are kind of like strange ones to an extent. Um, still. No, this was especially how they started the season, with, and then they fired the coach and, you know, Bronny McMillan, and all of a sudden, they're potentially, you know, an NBA title champion. Like that's, yeah, that's a, that's unprecedented for sure. I, I can't. I, I don't remember a time where um, I think go. So going into the playoffs, the teams with the best odds were the LA teams. Yeah. Um. So one of them is in the fine, fine, and then Philly and Brooklyn. So only one of the four favorites are in the final four, and they don't have their best player. <laughs> That's crazy. All right, let's see. We'll check out Atlanta. Harbin's been real, man. I really appreciate you joining. Always a good uh, time, Rosie. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I kind of miss the Celtics not being in the lottery. We're not going to be excited for tomorrow. I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I also don't know enough. I don't watch enough college basketball to like know enough of these guys who are coming out. I have to do some research on these. Well, now, I mean, we're not, it's not going to impact us. We're not, uh, not going to get a pick. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, you know, we're out of it. But listen, I'm hopeful. I, uh, I think these two rounds, the next couple of rounds of the playoffs, will be will be exciting to watch. Um, and yeah, let's go, uh, let's go, Hawks. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, put, put money on the folks. Take care, my brother. <laughs> All right, have a good one, Rosie. You too.